0: Welcome to the Southcrest Live Podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Hey, a privilege to be with you is what I was trying to say. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. I hope you do have your Bible, but Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have one, feel free to use your phone or um, we even have some Bibles back behind the seats there. You can grab that. Matthew chapter 7, we'll dive into verse 15. In just a moment, uh, Pastor Dave and I were talking, it's crazy. We've got one more Sunday after today that will be in the Sermon on the Mount. And then we're, we're through that text, which, man, time is flying. Can you believe that it is already February 2020? Like, man, January is just gone. Just like that. When I think about February and think about this time of year, it kind of reminds me of, or often reminds me of growing up my home church, uh, First Baptist Glen St. Mary, often We would take, my dad was a pastor there, we would take a family ministry ski trip up to West Virginia. We weren't like lucky Texans this close to the Rockies. We had to go up to West Virginia, which it was pretty. Um, But we'd go up there and there were some great times I remember as a middle schooler and high schooler Loved getting to go up there and ski and hang out with friends. But honestly, something that I appreciated them, but even appreciate more now, was um, some of the conversations that we had. So there were some men, still get to see them when I go uh, back to Florida and we visit family and go to my home church. But some, obviously my dad spoke into my life a lot. But even some men in the church, one man named uh, Glenn McKendry, another man named uh, David Hare, who had a profound impact on my life. And it was always fun. After skiing, we might go and get uh, some hot chocolate and sit around the fire. Sounds good right about now, right? Um, Or maybe uh, going up the ski lift, we'd have a great conversation. Sometimes they were just fun and full of laughter. But sometimes those conversations, those men in my life, it might be me and another one of my uh, middle school buddies or whatever. But they would take that opportunity to lean in a little bit and just talk about serious stuff of life. Sometimes maybe caution us about something or warn us of, hey, Brandon, you're going the right direction in this area, but I want you to be careful. Be aware as you grow up and as you grow older and as you mature, this could be a struggle in your life or something you're going to have to, to work on. They would, they would caution us, they would warn us. And I'm going to assume that you have people like that in your life still today. I know I do, but you could call them a mentor or just a good friend that is not afraid to speak the truth to you. Do you have people like that in your life? If you don't, I hope you, like, you should find that because that's really important to have someone that speaks into you. Um, but wouldn't it be cool, thinking about the idea of someone speaking into you, wouldn't it be cool if you could sit down and have a conversation with Jesus like that? where maybe it's over a cup of coffee or at dinner or out in the parking lot uh, after work, or maybe it's in the fishing boat, like whatever it may be. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if you could sit across from Jesus and let him just kind of speak into you and say, hey, I want you to be careful about this. You need to to be warned uh, of something that's coming your way. All right, I just want you to consider this really carefully. The good, the really amazing thing is, because we have the Bible, we do get that opportunity, amen? We get to sit and glean from Jesus. And I understand that like your name is not in the text per se, but he's definitely, if you're a child of God, he's talking to you. And so this morning, as we study God's word, I want you to almost envision this as you're sitting. It doesn't have to be just you. You're sitting, whether it be dinner, coffee, standing in the parking lot after work, you're there with Jesus And he's leaning in to warn you of something, to caution you of something. Chapter seven, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Here's our first point for the day. Beware of false teachers. Beware of being deceived by false teachers. You know, in a day and age where anyone can write anything they want about any subject on the internet, you shouldn't listen to or believe everything you hear or read. Amen? It's not always true. He says, just because someone claims to be teaching the Bible, just because someone talks and says, oh, I'm speaking on behalf of God. That's what a prophet is. Just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean that you should listen to them. He says, beware, there's some people that are going to try to deceive you. He says, they come in sheep's clothing. So they come with the appearance that they're a child of God, that they know Christ, that they have experienced the grace and mercy of God. But in reality, inwardly, they are a ravenous wolf. See, a wolf cares nothing about the flock. They just selfishly want to devour the flock for their own personal gain and desires. It's kind of scary. He says, there are people like that that will try to infiltrate God's flock only for their selfish gain. So he says, watch out. Which, if you're like me, I'm like, well, if they're dressed like sheep, in metaphor here, we're we're the sheep, God's people. If you know Christ, you're a sheep. Welcome to the family. It's good to be a sheep. Someone just said, bah. (laughs) That was good. Don Hayes, was that you? Oh, good. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry to throw you under the bus there, Don. (laughs) If they're dressed like sheep, how do you recognize them? Like if, if it's a wolf, but it looks like a sheep, how do you recognize them? Verse 16 says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The implied answer is no. You don't get apples from an orange tree. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Twice he tells us, and he unpacks it all, but at the beginning and at the end, he states it How will you recognize these false teachers, these false prophets? Come on, talk to me. What's it say? By their fruit. Yeah, it's not cheating to look at the Bible, I promise. Yeah, he says, he says, by their fruit, that's how you're going to know them. So he switches the metaphor from, from a wolf to now he's talking about fruit. And he says, you're going to know them by their fruit. What is the fruit? It's, it's the life they live. I, what, I love what John Bloom says about this. He says, fruit is one of the Bible's favorite metaphors for describing what our lives organically produce based on what our hearts believe and Love. So we're saved by faith, but our faith, our love and belief in Christ is revealed. You could even say it's proved, it's evidenced by our fruit, by the life that we live. And I would say you, could, you can try to hide what's really inside for a while, but eventually what you love and what you believe and you hold dear eventually works its way out. So he says these false teachers, these false prophets who say they know God, they say they're teaching scripture, but really they just have selfish inward desires. They don't really love Jesus. They don't really love the flock. Eventually that desire is going to work its way out in their life. And you're going to be able to see it. And if you're like, well, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Jesus is a great preacher. He ties it all together. In the Sermon on the Mount, he gives what fruit of the kingdom looks like. So fruit of being a child of God, that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that you control your anger. You control your lust. You turn away from it, not just control it. Try to get rid of it. You don't have retaliation. You want to love your enemy. You pray for your enemy. You give to the needy. You pray not so that you can be seen as like, oh, look at me. I'm so spiritual. But you pray because you actually want to have a conversation, a relationship with God. You Your desire as a child of God, as you bear fruit, is not to store up treasure on earth, but to store up treasure in heaven. That's what you want to invest in. And you do it without an anxious heart because you know that your father cares for the birds of the air and if you close the flowers of the field surely he will care for you as you invest in his kingdom rather than your kingdom whatever that means and he says you're going to bear fruit by not being judgmental you have a discerning spirit but you're not always hypercritical because you're, when you're hypercritical you're hypocritical and he says you're going to treat other people how you would want to be treated so he says people that say they're preaching the gospel but their life does not bear out that fruit it doesn't bear out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self If it doesn't bear those things out, they're not the real deal. Right. Right. The, the idea is that you can't always spot. It's kind of tricky here, but he's, he's helping us out with this beautiful metaphor. He's saying you can't always spot a false prophet, a false teacher just by what they say. You have to look at their life. And again, I love this metaphor he gives because the thing about fruit, I don't know about you, unless you're using something illegal, fruit doesn't pop up overnight, right? <laughs> it's not like you plant it, boom, there it is. You're not always going to be able to see a, a false teacher, a false prophet and automatically go, oh, they're, they're not the real deal. They're not telling the truth. But over time, as their fruit is produced in their life, Say say, Something, something's not right. Another thing about fruit is from a distance, it can look really good, but when you get closer, you can spot it for what it really is. We were uh, back in Florida for Christmas, my wife and I and our two kiddos, and my kids love fruit. Like, I'm not lying to you. I think if you said, do you want a donut or do you want strawberries? They're going to go, strawberries? Because <laughs> that's what they want. And I mean, the more they eat donuts, I feel like donuts could eventually take the lead here, but, but they love fruit. And so we are at my Mimi's house, my mom's mom's house. I'm, I'm, I think I was holding Haddon or maybe both of them anyways, holding them. And um, my Mimi has this bowl on the table of fruit. And so my kids are like, fruit, 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 you know, please, please, please fruit. They're wanting the fruit, but they don't know something I know about my Mimi. Now, that bowl of fruit is not a real bowl of fruit. <laughs> if I were to go and try to get that, it looks like this, like it's just dripping with sugary sweet goodness, this peach. It is like a rock, actually. Or, or it looks like a, this perfectly shined apple. It's plastic, Right. So they were begging, begging, begging. So I eventually just like went and picked it up and let them inspect it. I didn't let them put it in their mouth, break their little baby teeth, but I let them get it close. And pretty quickly they quit asking for it because when they got closer to the fruit, they were like, I'm assuming their little baby minds were thinking this isn't real. (laughs) Can't always spot bad fruit from a distance, but upon further inspection, when you get close, when you try to taste of it, realize something's not right. What's scary, verse 19, he says, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. These false teachers, these false prophets, their end is destruction, their end is hell because they're not really sheep. They're not the real deal. So he says, beware, don't be deceived by false teachers. So what is what is the application for us in February, 2020? Be careful what you read, who you listen to, who you watch because what they teach you and what you um, internalize and take in will affect you. And you don't want to have the same destination, the same end as them, amen? amen. Be careful. And it's interesting because You may think, well, if there's teaching a few things that are false, that's not that big of a deal. A false understanding of the gospel can wreck your life, can change the total trajectory of your life. So he says, watch out, be careful. I wanna be clear here, we're not hunting for heresy. We're not just like, all right, where are those false teachers? Let's get them. But we're searching the scriptures like the Bereans did in Acts 17, and we're looking at their lives. We're not always on a hunt, but we're paying, paying attention to those two things. Search the scriptures, look at their life. You know, I would argue, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here. This is, this text, I would say, is a good argument for being involved in the local church. I, <clears throat> I'm of the generation that listens to podcasts all the time. Love podcasts, love listening to podcast preachers. What I mean by that is like listening to a sermon from a preacher on a podcast. But you know what the problem is? I have no idea what their life is like. Absolutely zero. Now I want to be careful. I know there are some folks watching TV uh, whenever this comes out a few weeks from now, some folks watching the live stream right now, and some folks just flat out don't have the opportunity to come be a part of the service. We have so many amazing, godly, Jesus-loving, homebound folks, and I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying, if you have the ability to come and be a part of the local church, you should. to to see that we're the real deal. If if you don't ever rub shoulders with other sheep, it's hard to know how they're living. And I think I don't want to chase too many rabbits here, but this is also an argument for that as a church, you need to make sure, and I think this is happening. Y'all do a really good job of it. And our pastor, David, leads us really well in this, of making sure that we don't ever act like, oh, we're up here, you other sheep are down here. No, we're all sheep. Amen? Amen. I think the idea here is that if you look at my life, so since I'm preaching this morning, if you look at my life as a fellow sheep and it's bearing a lot of ugly, nasty fruit, you shouldn't listen to what I say. Amen. I had to give you permission to say that. You look at me like, can I say amen? So like just to bear that out a little bit, if we're leaving church today and I give you the bird in the parking lot, and then you see me later at Evie Mae's with my sweet wife and you see me disrespecting her and interrupting her, you need to call me on it. If I'm not bearing the fruit and the love of Jesus, something is wrong. Be careful. Don't be deceived. Now you may say, I... I don't know, like this one person, I like to read their book or listen to their podcast and they make, some, they make some great points. Like they don't really talk about the gospel. Maybe they changed a few things, but they have some really good points. I would say to you what Paul said to the Galatian church. And that is, He told them, if I or an angel comes to you and preaches any other gospel than the true gospel of Jesus Christ that was delivered to you by Jesus, you tell, he says, that angel, that man should be accursed. He says, in other words, let that angel, you tell that angel, Mr. Angel, you can go back to where you came from. Which is, he's implying the angel can go down, not up. (laughs) Or if you were to say, I, I don't know, like this this preacher, this book, it just makes me feel good. Like, I don't know if it's really the truth. and I know there's a lot of sketchy things that have come out about them, but they make me feel good. I want to remind you of what John Piper, he's a former pastor, says, my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. Amen. This doesn't mean that... Uh, a real, a true uh, preacher, teacher, prophet is never gonna stumble or, bear one, or uh, yeah, bear, produce one piece of bad fruit. Even a good tree might drop a bad apple occasionally, right? But if overwhelmingly a person's life bears out fruit that is not of Christ, that is not of the kingdom of God, then don't keep going to that fruit tree and get the wolf out of your midst. Beware of being deceived by false teachers. Can you you see Jesus kind of leaning in and telling you, hey, be careful. I love you, but be careful. There's one more thing he's going to warn us of, and I don't want us to miss this. So I want to encourage you to lean into this a little bit. It's in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This might be one of the most sobering passages, isn't it? says, be careful. There are going to be some people that get to heaven. You could say, get to heaven's gates. They're going to think, oh man, we're here. Look at all we did for you, Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. What a terrible day to be surprised. Now, I want to explain something real quick. Uh, I'm trying to grow in, in uh, boldness and, and passion, all that stuff. Courage, I guess you could say in the pulpit, but I want you to on, on this next few verses or these few verses, my tone's not gonna be like this. Because I think when when I get like this, it's easy for us to be like, yeah, those people out there. And Jesus is talking to people who think they're in the kingdom, which would be us. You with me? So the tone is not, yeah, those out there. The tone is like Jesus is leaning in and saying, Hey, I want you to think about this. I, I want you to be careful. He was talking to in this sermon on the night. He was talking to Jews, people who they weren't out partying and acting crazy. They come to hear a message from a rabbi. These were what you might call quote good people. They were supposed to be the God's people, the Jews. And he tells them, "Hey, hey, be careful." It's interesting. Again, they they were surprised. Wait, Lord, like what is what is going on? Look at all we did for you. And Jesus doesn't deny what they did. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say, you never did all that for me. He doesn't deny that. So, so what went wrong here? They had profession, Lord, Lord. And they had performance. Look at all these things we've did for you. But the problem is they didn't know Jesus. Jesus Never told us, if you just, like, just say you know me and you just do some things for me, you'll have a relationship with me. He never said that. If you go back just a few verses to verses 13 through 15, or sorry, 13 through 14, which we covered last week. He says the way into the kingdom is to enter by the narrow gate. And the narrow gate is a person. It is Jesus, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but through me. Acts 4, I think it's 12. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. The only way into the kingdom is through Jesus. And he says, the way you come to him is not with, hey, Jesus, look at all this I've done for you. The way you come to him is to say, I wanna come to the narrow gate. I I have nothing. Jesus, I I have nothing. I wanna just give you everything. I can't perform something. I, I, I got nothing. I want you to be my savior. I want, me, I want you to be my Lord. Please, God, rescue me. And in so doing, you enter the narrow gate. See, this is let, uh, less about doing and more about delighting in the salvation of Jesus Christ. But the reality is delighting will lead to doing. That's why he says, it's the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So you have a relationship with him, you know him, and that leads you to do things for him. It's Ephesians chapter two, that it's by grace we're saved through faith, it's not works. But in the end of that, I think it's verse 10 says that we, he's prepared good works for us beforehand. So you're saved by grace through faith. It's all him, it's not what you've done. But when you know him, you wanna be like him. So he says, these people, they're, They're gonna get to heaven and they've professed me, they've performed some spiritual activity for me, but they don't actually know me, they don't know me. It makes me think of um, in my my doctoral classes, uh, Dr. Larry Osborne came and spoke to us. super cool opportunity to hear him speak and uh, we're very excited and he got the whiteboard out and he said, hey, what are some some, uh, characteristics defining markers of, of Christ followers, of disciples. Well, as you're, you guys are pastors, you want to be pastors. What are some things you're looking for? So we all began to raise our hands and answer. He would write them down. I think mine, the answer I gave was, you know, they should be engaged in worship. They should be passionate in worship. They don't have to have their hands raised, but they should at least act like they care about what they're singing. He wrote that down. Someone else said, you know, it's not really about clothes necessarily, but they need to have a boldness. So maybe every now and then they wear a Christian T-shirt, like they're not afraid to represent Jesus. Some said, you know, they need, to, they need to volunteer, they need to be a part of VBS, those sorts of things. This went on for probably 15, 20 minutes. He wrote them all on the board. And then Dr. Osborne sat on the chair and he said, what about obedience? Of course, we were all like, "Dad, gummets. He said, these are all good and well, they're not really wrong, but like Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Our culture is obsessed, me included, with this flashy, loud Christianity. Look how cool we are. And Jesus says, if you love me, would you just obey me? It's a lot easier to do things for Jesus than to become like Jesus. That's why he says these people are workers of lawlessness because they never knew Jesus so they never became like Jesus. I want you to realize that Jesus, he's not like trying to get you, he's not trying to scare you and get you to live in fear. He's trying to get you to consider, do you know him? So on that day, you don't have to be surprised if he says, I don't know you. We were back uh there earlier praying for the service and jerry newman uh worship pastor was was praying and he finished the prayer and then he, he closed his eyes again and he said oh and lord help the chiefs to win tonight amen <laughs> <laughs> and hey we're not judging because we all kind of want them to right yeah we're all we're all cheering for the Chiefs, and particularly we're cheering for the chiefs because of who Patrick Mahomes, yeah. We all, somebody has a jersey on today. Like, man, we're, uh, uh, Eric Chapman somewhere has a shirt on, I think, which is, that's awesome. Like, super cool. I'm cheering for him. Uh, A lot of us are cheering for him partly because the boys in Dallas just are kind of struggling these days. If you're like me, if you grew up a Jaguars fan from Jacksonville, there's just never any hope for them. And so... we're cheering for the Chiefs. And it's interesting, it's like we feel we have this ownership. Since uh, our Mahome went to Texas Tech, he's a Texas boy, we kind of have this like, yeah, yeah, Pat, we go way back, right? <laughs> I even, I've told people, this is a true story. I, one time, uh, was in Potbelly um, and uh, the, the sandwich shop down by, if you don't know, like, what is Potbelly? <laughs> it's sandwich shop down by Tech, there's one on Milwaukee. Anyways, w- was there and um, was in line, ordered my food, and I was only like two people behind Patrick Mahomes. So I'm like touching where I, you put the credit card. I'm like, I touched this, Pat Mahomes touched it. Like, so cool, right? But we do, we kind of had this idea that we, that we know Patrick Mahomes. But the reality is, and there could be someone in here. I mean, someone's like, well, oh, actually I do. But the reality is most of us don't really know Patrick Mahomes, right? Like we, we're fans for him. And again, I, no shame in that. We're going to be cheering hard and loud today. We're fans for him, but we don't know him. You know, it's interesting. We, I love where we live. I, I do. And this is, we're in the, Texas is like the buckle on the Bible belt, Right kind of starts in Lubbock and works his way over to, not really South Central Florida, it gets kind of weird down there, but like North Florida where we're from, like it's a, we're still good old Bible Belt folks. But the danger in the Bible Belt is we're surrounded by cultural Christianity. Oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's awesome. And we can deceive ourselves because we talk about Jesus and we're kind of a fan. We do a Christian thing every now and then. We deceive ourselves into thinking that we know Jesus. I don't want to be surprised. I don't want you to be surprised when you get to heaven's gates and say, oh yeah, I was a fan of yours, Jesus. How terrible would it be for him to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Yeah, you have my t-shirt, but you you don't look anything like me. You've never lived anything like me because you didn't know me. Be careful, don't be deceived. You get to heaven's gates. I don't think this is exactly how it works out, but if he says, why shall I let you enter? If you were to say, oh man, like I I went to South Crest Great Church, went there for a long time, always been a Christian. Oh, I, I served at VBS, which by the way, you should, we always need more help with Vacation Bible School, you should serve oh man, like I, I went on a mission trip that one time. I love listening to Caleb. I love listening to Air One. Check check my dials on the car, it's there. He's going to say, I, that's okay, but, but do you know me? Do you know the grace and mercy and the love of Jesus? It says, don't be deceived by false teachers, but beware of deceiving yourself. It's even more dangerous. Now I was telling Lauren, uh, yesterday or sometime this week, I was like, man, I love preaching. I really do. I have fun up here. Probably too much fun sometimes. But this wasn't a passage I was particularly excited about. Got to thinking about it. Even like Jesus, like, why, did, why did he say this? We know Jesus wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't just trying to make you scared and hate your life. You lean into difficult conversations, warning conversations, conversations of caution, conversations of, hey, let's change course here. Not because they're fun, but because you love someone. Amen? Amen. Jesus didn't give us this message to terrorize you. He gave it to you because he loves you. He gave it to me because he loves us. To say, beware false teachers. And hey, make sure you know me. Don't just float through, excuse me, don't float through life thinking everything's okay and everything's just grand if you don't actually know me. His goal is not to scare you, but to prepare you so that on that day you stand before him, you aren't surprised. By the way, I am not the kind of person, uh, I don't like it when people say, if you're 0.00001% not sure that you're a Christian, you must not know Christ. I don't believe that. Pastor Dave and I were talking, I think it was two weeks ago. All of us have doubts. Can we say amen to that? All of us have struggles. There's so many times I've been reading, preparing a message or reading for devotional life. And I'm like, do I even know God? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm a terrible person. All of us are gonna have struggles. I don't think Jesus is trying to make you live in fear your whole life, but to just truly consider, have you ever come to him for salvation? Have you ever believed in him Say, Jesus, I have nothing, but your perfect life, you died for me, you rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave so I could know you and then also begin to become like you as your spirit works in me. He's just wanting you to consider, do you know him? Often when I'm preaching, I'll talk about rafting because I think whitewater rafting is a great metaphor for the Christian life or for life in general. And if you've ever been whitewater rafting, before you go, the, the guide will tell you, or even as you're on the river, he'll say, hey, make sure, or she will say, make sure your feet are tucked. So you, I may have it backwards, but I think it's your, like if I'm going this way, my left foot, uh, actually it's this way, my left foot is tucked behind me down into the raft, and then my right foot, there's a little placeholder up there. And the whole reason is because when you go down into a rapid, if your feet aren't tucked, you gone, right? <laughs> Boom, They'll knock you out. And that's how we've never had someone like get lost or injured on a rafting trip, but we've definitely had people just pop out of the boat. So the guide tells you, hey, almost every time as you approach the rapid, hey, make sure your feet are tucked, tuck your feet, not so that you go to the rapid, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, but so that you are prepared. That's what Jesus is doing. He's not trying to make you live in all this fear, but to be prepared. Prepared. Do you know him? Not do you go to church? Not have you read your Bible? Not do you vote the right way? Do you know Jesus? And the reality is scripture tells us you can know that you know. If you've placed your faith and trust in him, spirit living inside you, making you more like him, you know him. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you know him. This morning, we're gonna enter a time of response. I want us to consider a couple of things. If you're here this morning and no no matter how many times you've come here, no matter your age, no matter your religious background, what you've done, if you would say, hey, I don't know Jesus. You know what, today can be your day. You don't have to wait any longer. Today can be the day that you trust Christ. Maybe he's already working inside you and pulling you towards himself. There are going to be some pastors down front in a few moments that would love to to at least pray with you or talk with you or, or encourage you if today's the day you want to not just know about Christ, but you want to know Him. Not just do some things for Him, but delight in Him and delight in Him in a way that leads to transformation. If you are a believer this morning, if you know Christ, I want to encourage you, first of all, to just be grateful that Jesus has saved you. Be grateful that You do know him. Be grateful that he is beginning to produce good fruit in and through you. And also as a believer, I would encourage you to, as Jesus does, to be careful. Maybe you need to rethink, man, who am I listening to? What am I reading? Do I need to, if I'm not involved in a small group or the church, I'm just here kind of random here this Sunday. Maybe you need to really plug into community so you can be aware of what you're being taught. Last thing, I don't know about y'all, but I believe the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants, amen? So if you're here and maybe God has spoken to you about something I haven't even touched on, he very we, very may well have done that. And so there'll be some pastors down front that would love to pray with you. Maybe it's about baptism or joining the church or, or who knows what, maybe you just want some prayer. They would love to talk with you. But the good news is none of us have to be surprised on judgment day. Because salvation is offered today. I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing and respond. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you care about us. You love us enough that you do warn us to be careful what we listen to, to be careful who we watch as preachers and teachers, to be careful what we read. Lord, thank you that you love us enough to call us to consider whether or not we really know you. God, I pray for believers in the room today that you would just give them a a peace, a hope, a calm of assurance if they know you. And Lord, for those that don't, have never been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would just open their eyes today to see their need for you. God, I pray that you would give them boldness to come and to talk to a pastor here in a moment. God, we as a church are gonna rejoice if that happens. So I pray that you would give them courage and boldness. Lord, whatever you may be doing in our lives, we ask that you would, Give us the courage and the hope to respond accordingly. It's the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person.